All right, I say we get right into it. How's your day going so far? Great. Well, <laughs> we finally got a flood uh, in our uh, rental unit downstairs resolved. So, <laughs> yeah, if you've if you've been following, if people have been following us, they know that we've uh, we started our house hacking real estate journey uh, in June. We purchased a place, but we moved in in uh, basically the first week in November. And it's been, for the most part, smooth sailing because we we uh, have just been doing some minor renovations and stuff like that. But uh, yesterday was the first day that we had our first, um, I guess you would say, minor uh, catastrophe. <laughs> um, you said resolved, was, though, yeah? Resolved? Yeah. So, yeah, we had a backup in the water line uh, and with the downstairs unit and their sink overflowed. Well, actually the pipe came undone um, and water was all over their, their kitchen floor. So we got it all taken care of. So now we're ready to rock and roll in the spaces. <laughs> awesome. I'm glad you got taken care of. That could be a nightmare situation, but uh, yeah. yeah, never a dull, a dull moment. Um, and I'm, good luck with the real estate adventures. That's, that's awesome to get embarked on. That's something that I'm looking at as well to start uh, venturing out into is another avenue of building wealth. So, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, so with that, um, you know, this is our, this is the second part, a three-part series on building wealth. And uh, today we've got, I think it's a great way, great segue and introduction. So we've got David and John um, with us is at Debt Free Guys on Twitter. And we're going to talk about, you know, two things really, um, eliminating debt and then building wealth, right? All through uh, establishing quality habits, right? Um, they write about but wealth building habits, mindset, and then how you know both of both John and David turn things around from being in debt to having a net worth of over a million dollars. I think you write about it was oh yeah it's in the it's in the nest here. You over uh, fifty thousand dollars in credit card debt and uh, overcame that to get to where you guys are at today. So. Uh, it's a very interesting story. So thanks again for joining us today and so share your wisdom and your experience. Um, Thank you for having us. We're excited to be here. And, and I'll just throw out there our credit card debt. Um, uh, when we started to tackle that, that was actually in 2006. So it might $51,000 might not seem like a lot of money to a lot of people today, but with inflation, that would probably be <laughs> closer to $100,000 today. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And, and 51, I, I don't know, you have people telling you the 50 is not uh, seem like a lot? Because to me, that seems like a, a massive mountain to overcome. I've, I've had the same kind of debt struggles in, in, in credit card uh, debt, I should say, and overcame that. And it was not easy. So, um, yeah. No, I, I, I think regardless of your balance, it can be, I mean, unless you have you know, a couple hundred dollars on there, it can really be a struggle for some people. Um, and it's all obviously contingent on uh, you know your income and the assets you have available to you so the the journey is a little bit challenging for or a little bit unique for everybody yeah absolutely um well everything i've been looking at your uh i've been going to your website i've been you know checking out everything you've got going the the video i saw on, uh, that's on rachel ray's youtube was super interesting i want to get into that a little bit later as well um but i guess just to start off um if I could ask, what got you guys started on this? If I could ask, I'm going to ask. What got you started on this path? You know, um, you, what flipped the switch that, to get you to say, okay, I'm not, we're not going to just continue down this path of uh, living, you know, I'm assuming you're kind of in a paycheck to paycheck uh, mode and, and racking up this debt. And then now you're on a clearly different path. So what, what kind of got you started? Well, just to kind of set a set 
some perspective and uh, kind of gives some people some uh, maybe dose of reality when it comes to dealing with people in personal, I mean, sorry, in finance. Um, John and I, when we had our $51,000 in credit card debt, both of us were working in finance and uh, we were registered brokers and we were working at major financial services firms. We were talking with people on a near daily basis about saving for retirement, putting money aside for their kids' uh, education, making sure that you're not racking up credit card debt, planning for the future. So we, we were, we were the, the ones who had, we had all the theoretical knowledge, right? We had all of this, uh, this uh, learning that we had taken place through our education as well as our practices in work. Um, but we had a secret. And uh, John uh, worked uh, as a compliance officer for uh, several firms, and one of his jobs was to review um, what's called an ADV, uh, which is kind of the, the tool that financial advisors use to um, kind of spill the beans on what's going on with their own per their own finances. And he said, you would not believe how many financial advisors, he said he thinks probably around a third of them, um, either had bankruptcies, liens against their homes, uh, were in uh, a lot of credit card debt. So it's kind of funny that we were we were not the only ones in our industry, but we were in the industry trying to help people, and we weren't helping ourselves. Um, as a matter of fact, just before we kind of had an aha moment, um, I got laid off from work in part because the company I was working for was relocating to Kansas City. And I didn't want to move from Denver to Kansas City. And so I got a $19,000 severance uh, uh, check, I guess you'd say. The reality is it was, it was really four, about a little over $14,000 after taxes were taken out. But I got laid off, and I blew through $14,000 in about four months, four and a half months. Yeah. And so... It just shows, you know, we were we were we were pretty rec reckless. Our habits were kind of reckless when it came to our our own money. But really, what kicked it off was we had this aha moment, um, and the aha moment came from us wanting to buy land and build a vacation home up in the mountains of Colorado. And the crazy thing is, is we weren't we weren't being honest with each other about how much debt we had, so we had no clue. Um, when we started the conversation that we could not should not even be thinking about talking about talking about doing something like that the truth was we didn't even have our own home we were renting a basement apartment when all of this went down but it was that aha moment um, of us kind of confessing to each other where we stood financially that really was the driver behind okay our habits our habits suck we need to figure out what's going on with our habits how do we change our habits because if we kept going down the same path, we knew where we would end up. We would end up in bankruptcy, or we would end up, at, you know. And the thing is, we could we could lose our jobs over that. Um, so we were we knew we needed to make some changes. Yeah, it could have snowballed in the wrong direction. Yeah. Um, exactly. Exactly. So, and it's really hard to come to that realization. I think what I'm hearing you say is you you had to face some hard truths, right? Like really be honest and own up to your situation. And then you had to turn around and start creating those, those habits. Right. Um, and so and basically shift lifestyles is what I'm hearing. 
Um, and so you have to go from this spending and just kind of not really thinking about your money to I imagine you have to now really focus in. So what, I guess, did you have something in particular or, or would you say that the, through working with folks over the years, there's something that jumps out as being the hardest thing when you're starting to, when you're starting out and making this change? social media they're seeing all this success porn um they're seeing these success stories in the news and cnbc and whatnot and they're like you know what i want to do that i can i want to be that success story um but the the commitment is only partially there because they don't once there's a level of effort required level of hard work that's required to actually to get to to change your financial situation around i think that's where people oftentimes break down initially so i think the the, the first issue that most people have to overcome is actually gauging their actual level of commitment. Because um, for a lot of people, um, it doesn't have to be a miserable experience, but it's not a terribly easy experience either, right? We had to completely change our lifestyles. We went from going out every weekend uh, to the clubs, to a couple of weeks a night, going dining out, happy hours, buying designer clothing, traveling all over the world and saying, we got to do a 180 here. Um, and not only did that mean we were changing our, our lifestyle, but that also meant that that was going to be a disruption with our friends and families and how we interacted with them. And so, uh, and paying off our debt took, we estimated that it was going to take us three years. It took us two and a half years. Um, but, you know, we had to go through the, the hard times when it's cold and miserable and snowy outside. There's nowhere to go and nothing to do. Um, how are we not going to uh, blow our budget and try to entertain ourselves? Um, how are we going to stick with what our goals are? So I think for a lot of people, um, it's it's the commitment. And that's why uh, we have our debt lasso method, which is a strategy that we created to help people pay off debt and the strategy that we use instead of the snowball or the avalanche method. And the first step in that is make the commitment. Yeah, I'll that's... This, Go ahead. I'm sorry. This, David, I'll, I'll throw in there too that I think that one of the things that most people have kind of this mental block with is mm. that... Re- they believe that just making more money is the fix, right? Whatever right. my problems are, whether it's debt or it's not having the things that I want or not having the, the, the spouse that I want, not having the, the uh, uh, ease of life, they just believe that it's, I just need to make more money. And we pinned a, a, a thread um, in the nest there. If you guys are looking at it, you can see it above. Um, it's the third one. And it's the story of, um, of uh, Vin Baker, who he made $100 million in a 13-year time period um, while he was an NBA star. And he blew through all of that money and more. And it's a, it's a glaring example of how when you don't know what your real drivers are in life, you can easily get lost in what you think everybody else wants for you or what you um, what you think is going to make you happy. And so then you start to get off track into some pretty bad ruts, right? Some pretty bad habits of spending more money than you make or spending money on things that don't actually make you happy. And then you start to spend some money in something, on something else to make you happier. So... All of those kinds of things are things that kind of really lead to the lifestyle that we have. Um, One of the things that we recommend is that people start off by 
trying to figure out what their why is. Why do you, why did you get, why are you in this situation and why do you want to be in a dis- different situation? And for us, we realized why, we, we dug into why we were spending the way we were spending. And then we realized, well, that that's spending on that kind of stuff doesn't really, isn't really going to make us happy. And then we figured out what would make us happy. And then we started spending our money on those things. And we realized we didn't need to spend as much money when we spent money on things that we knew would make us happy. I think that's a really, really great point, you know, because we use shopping and, you know, the, the dopamine dump you get when you buy things and, and or, you know, even just going out to the club or going out for a nice dinner. It's like a, a really nice feeling and it's, it's everybody loves it, of course. But um, then you, you, you're kind of setting aside, right, the the consequences later on. I'll pay, you know, I'll look at the bills later and uh, and kind of doing things in reverse order of what you probably should be there. And uh, I really like the way you frame that. What what your why is? Why are you here? Um, because I think that all comes back to what we're talking about today, which is habits, right? You, what habits did you form, and what habits do you need to to actually switch to? And um, you know, along those lines, uh, well, actually, you know, I, I got this Vin Baker. You said a hundred million dollars. Is that right? Hundred million dollars. He actually he made ninety-seven million dollars in salaries from various teams, and then on top of that, he had all sorts of endorsement deals. So it didn't they didn't disclose the articles that I read didn't disclose his exact earnings, um, because oftentimes those endorsement deals are are private. Um, but uh, he sure, he sure. spent all of that money. Granted, he got into he did get has some issues with addiction, but he even said he his he got had an addiction with spending, and uh, and so it just you kind of spend to make yourself feel happier, and it's it spending to make yourself feel happier doesn't necessarily work. Spending on things that will make you happier can work. Yeah, absolutely, and you know. I was talking last week to Joe at the Independent U, who is his Twitter handle, and he's from a small town in New Zealand, and he he managed to build wealth, not a hundred million, but over a million dollars, right? And then one of the things that happens if you don't have the background or maybe the education to know what to do when you have that wealth, which is exactly what Joe ended up in that spot, you know, he lost it all and had to rebuild it and start over again. And so, you know, those stories I think are are both you know somewhat sad and tragic on obviously in some level but then motivational and you can learn a lot from it and um you know getting the right identifying why you ended up there or why somebody else ended up where they're at and what it is you need to do to shift and what really makes you happy um i think that's a great way to do it uh instead of just sitting back and assuming you you know what's making you happy and everything's going to be right you know, you, you actually want to sit back. It sounds like you assessed truly, like, is, is all this shopping? Is all these things making us happy? And, yeah, I really like that. That's that's fantastic. Um, yeah, something that David did that I think was probably one of the best exercises we did shortly after we kind of had our, um, our, our aha moment was he itemized all of our expenses for an entire year, every single down to the very penny. And, you know, they, they kind of put down on paper – what 
our values were and we looked at them and we're like jesus this on, on, on paper we looked like rock stars but in, in real life we weren't necessarily getting the satisfaction that one would think that we would um we were spending tens of thousands of dollars on wine and dining out and designer clothing and travel like i said earlier and there's this, we had, the question was why do we feel the need to keep spending if we were actually getting value and happiness from what we were spending our money on at some point you should reach satiation and we never sort of reach that point so we were just kind of on that hedonic treadmill that everybody finds themselves on which is not necessarily our own fault it's sort of the way the economy is, is designed um, unfortunately so we have to sort of break free from from those chains and, and figure out like they like um, in the four agreements very often most of us come into this world with all of these expectations of what we're going to become and who we're going to be and what's going to make us happy and we never really give ourselves the authentic opportunity to figure out well what despite what my parents and society and friends and church and uh, school think will make me happy or how I should be or what I should do. Um, how about I figure out what I want to do, what's going to make me happy. And that takes a lot of uh, quiet time and introspection, which, um, you know, in today's social media world, we don't really give ourselves a whole lot of time for. Yeah. yeah well said. Uh, I couldn't agree with that more. That, that really resonates too. Um, so, well, I think this really comes down to mindset, right? You have to change your mindset if you really want to be successful here and um, shift your direction. And like you said, it's not necessarily uh, easy or fun, but it can be something that, um, at least for me, so real quick, uh, personal experience. Like I definitely have gone through a phase in my life where we had way too much credit card debt. And I... You know, it was really hard for me to figure out how to get out from under it because, you st you know, I kept I was in that cycle of buying and going and doing and we'll figure it out later. And I also had this mindset of I'll make more money later and then I'll be able yeah. to pay it off. Right. And I think that can be dangerous. Um, but, um, you know, fortunately, I was able to really, you know, I've got great support. I was able to figure it out. And, and now we've been able to wipe out that credit card debt. But uh, I guess what I was getting at is. What you don't realize when you're starting is how great it feels when you start knocking this stuff out and you start getting mm -hmm. you start getting paychecks and you're like, how do I have all this extra money? Like I literally one day I turned to my wife and I said, where did all this extra money come from? And it was just that we had paid off debt. So we didn't have these monthly payments anymore. And it was it was like the most amazing feeling. And it was surprising. I'm, I'm no kidding was shocked. Right. So, uh, you know. I, I've I've gone to your website. I've, I've been I've been poking around, seeing what you guys um, talk about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, you you have, you, see you have great tools out there, and um, I think that it can help people out. So, would you mind talking about some of those things, uh, especially with the the mindset topic here? Yeah, well, I, I think that that you're right that that's one of the places to start. Um, and uh, we there's another pinned. Uh, um, thread in the nest there at the top um, and that's the very first one um, with uh, when it comes to mindset um, it really is we believe that there are kind of it kind of basically comes down to um, that we have a lot of people have thinking errors uh, when it comes to how to manage their money grow wealth or pay off debt and it's sometimes it's a, along the lines of not accepting responsibility um, and we're we're kind of looking for those quick fixes, especially you know when it comes to, to paying off debt. I think a lot of people they're like, I just want my debt to be gone so that I can get back to my regular life. Yeah. My 
my life is, uh, is crap right now because I have all this debt. And I think what, what a lot of people forget is if they get back to their regular life, they're going to get right back in debt. <laughs> you know, it's that whole idea of what, what, uh, what got you here is not going to get you there. And it, it, that when, you, when you pay your debt off, what got you there will get you to being a millionaire. Uh, we, John and I truly believe that the habits that you build in paying your credit card debt off are the same, exact same habits that will propel you into being wealthy and being able to have wealth not just for yourself but your, for your family. Um, and I, I will say we do have a new tool coming out in, uh, in the next – I would say next week or two. Okay. Um, we, but, but it focuses on those seven thinking errors. So if you're if you're on our email list, definitely you'll definitely get that. If you're not, um, go ahead and uh, and um, uh, follow us because when we when you follow us, we'll send you a link for our newsletter. Um, but uh, that um, that the whole idea there is. Um, we want to help people get the thinking part right uh, to establish those kind of the, the foundation of what it takes to build wealth. Because really when you're paying off debt, you actually are building wealth. You're going in the right direction. You're going from a negative place to a positive place, and hopefully that positive place is a lot higher. But you're heading in the, in the, the, the right direction. You're compounding up rather than compounding down. I think that's the maybe the most powerful thing uh, that we've been talking about yet so far, and, and I really like. I'm going to restate that: is that what you, the habits you're building as you're paying off your debt? Those are the same habits and the same. That's the same mindset and the same path towards becoming wealthy. And I've never thought of it that way, but that's exactly right. It's it's a lot of folks get you know you get to that point of getting out of debt and getting in a good spot, and you just get right back into that bad spot. I, I can't tell you how many people I knew that refinanced their house in 2007, paid off a bunch of credit card debt only to rack it all back up and then have their house, you know, drop in value and, and be in a really tough spot. Um, so it really is about about that complete shift there, right? Um, and I guess when did you ever have any like, I guess relapse or fall back into the bad spending habits where you had to check one another? Um, actually, about a year or so after we paid off our $51,000 initially, we realized we had another $6,000 in debt again because we did exactly what, we, what we're trying to help people not do now is we paid off our debt and we're like, okay, we can go back to our old ways, uh, life can resume, and we're like, oh, darn, here we are back in the same situation again, and that's to us when we realized, oh, you idiots. It was the habits that got you out of debt that will keep you out of debt and that will help us build the wealth that we were looking for. Sometimes it's the most obvious stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, kind of in line with what you were you were just saying um, and uh, in what, what John was saying, one of the tools that you can get from us right now is uh, the seven-step credit card debt slasher tool that we have that gets added to most of our tweet threads. Um, and in that um, has this has the the seven steps, and you talked about people who um, refinance their 
their homes, or you'll see people who will do the credit card balance transfer, or they'll get a, a personal loan to pay off their credit cards, and then they just rack it all back up again because they keep using those same credit cards. The seven-step credit card debt slasher walks you through the seven steps that we went through that helped us get on back on track or stay on track to making sure that we would pay our debt off. And that's kind of why we started off with one of the big things is commitment. If you, you know, if, if you can't make the commitment to paying it off, then it will never get paid off. There's no, uh, you know, there's no uh, sugar daddy or sugar mama or uh, knight in shining armor that's going to ride in on a white horse to rescue you from the, 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 the mistakes that you've made. We have to accept responsibility for the mistakes we've made. Now, granted, I will say, not everyone gets in credit card debt because of mistakes. There are some people that it's truly... Yeah, uh, fair point. It's truly... There's, you know, there's a medical emergency or um, a job layoff or something like that that gets people into debt or the inflation that we see today. Um, is causing a lot of people to move towards using credit cards. Um, but the vast majority of us, those those steps will help. I'll go back to what David said earlier, too. Um, it's one thing to make the commitment, but again, you have to know why you're making the commitment. Until you figure out the why, the how is going to be difficult. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense, definitely. Um, you know, you talked about, you mentioned the debt lasso method. I and. I've I've read and listened to you guys talk a little bit about money. Excuse me, money chunking as well. Um, is that part of the method, or is money chunking? If you don't mind talking about that a little bit, because I, I thought that was interesting. What is that? Sure. So, uh, money chunking is one of the tools that we used um, while we were paying off debt, and it actually comes from me watching John sit and eat a whole pint of Ben and Jerry's <laughs> in one sitting when we were watching a movie. Um, I'll admit, I like bowls of popcorn, so I do the exact same thing. But um, the, 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 the kind of the whole idea was um, he ate the whole pint of Ben and Jerry's and then the next day wanted more, and yeah. it was all gone. And I, we kind of, I kind of started thinking about this concept of, well, we do the same thing with our money. Um, we get paid on Friday, and then by Monday we're broke. Um, because what we do is to go out and we have a baller weekend and have fun because we see these big balances in our accounts. And so money chunking for us kind of basically became this idea of, well, we knew that we had budgeted X number of dollars for the the month or the pay period uh, for one particular category. So let's just say dining out instead of, going and blowing it all the very first night or the very first weekend, we figured out how to chunk it into pieces so that we knew, and I'll admit there, this does take a little bit of planning, right? Sure. But you just plan ahead and say, okay, this weekend we're only going to spend 50 bucks on dining out, and next weekend we're going to spend $100. And the weekend after that, it'll be, and so for whatever the pay period is or whatever you're budgeting, it's just breaking it down into those smaller pieces so that it doesn't all get spent in one place at one time because for us personally, what we found was that when we decided to blow it all in one weekend, we were then much more likely to swipe the card and charge it when we wanted to have fun the next weekend or go out the next weekend or, 
or something else came up, a friend invited us out or something like that, right? We just kind of felt uh, like it was kind of our emergency plan of not being tempted to use our credit cards. Yeah, I, you know, that that uh, makes a lot of sense. When I get paid, the thing that I really have to fight the urge to do, because we, I didn't realize, I, I we do money chunking here. I did not even realize I was doing it, but we have our, we're going to go out to eat budget, right? And I'll tell you, I don't, I don't know if you guys deal with this, struggle with this at all, but, you know, making food every single day, that's like, I've got two boys. It's like, you must eat every single day. Really? Can you just skip a day? Give us a break. And, uh, but you know, so it's really easy to say, okay, cool. We don't have to make dinner tonight. I got paid. Let's just go out to eat. And then a couple hundred dollars later, you're like, wait a minute. Uh, We didn't have that in the budget necessarily. Right. And so that's, you know, those kind of things I think are a real struggle and, and part of that forming the right habits. Um, any, any tips on how to overcome those urges? I guess, um, is it really come down to, you mentioned planning and that, that resonates with me. You know, people that I talk to a lot, uh, about investing and, and trading, which is my niche, right? Uh, they like to talk about passive investing cause you can just put all your money in a spot and then you just collect income. And it sounds great cause you're not doing a bunch of work, but what's not, what's behind the scenes is all the planning and research and time you put in so that you're not investing into, into something that's not going to work. Right. Or that you might actually lose money. And, and so, or at least you're trying, obviously you don't know everything, but you're trying to increase your probability. So you have to put in the work. And so the planning here and then adhering to your plan, right? A plan is kind of worthless if you don't adhere to it. Um, so I, I kind of rambled on there, but I guess my point is, you know, there's always those, easy excuses to get away from that plan and, and to, you know, go outside of your budget. So, um, that's where I struggle is I, I'm, I could rationalize anything. Yeah. 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 So I'll say that the number one best place for most Americans to save the most money the quickest is with their grocery and dining out budget. Ah. And so the minute, I think the moment that most people can get some control over those two areas of their budget, the sooner they'll start seeing progress and paying off debt or building wealth. And for David and me, um, specifically with dining out and groceries, um, nothing has ever beat uh, creating a grocery list and a menu and batch cooking. Mm-hmm. We're I can't tell you how many, if we have, we'll have four or five different dishes already cooked in the refrigerator or the freezer. And I so often will say, Dad, you just want to go out and grab a bite to eat. You just want to go to, David loves Chipotle. You just want to go to Chipotle and get a burrito. We were Um, just talking about Chipotle yesterday. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, after we think about it for a little bit, well, you know what, really, we could just pop this in the microwave in five minutes and we've got dinner. Um it's from batch cooking and having a backup of food in the refrigerator has saved us countless times from going out to eat um, and not spending money that we didn't budget for. That doesn't mean we don't occasionally make the mistake, but we're less likely to do so because we've got that, got that, um, we planned that strategy ahead of time. On the flip side, we would suggest that people sort of have back pocket offers for themselves. So, um, oh. have a list of, uh, of plan B's for yourself. If you are going to go out, David and I typically have about three or four different quick casual restaurants that we like going to where we can spend less than $20, $25 when we go out to eat so that when we do go out to eat, uh, especially if we don't plan it, it doesn't 
completely bust your budget like it would if you just went to any old given bar or restaurant. Um, and another offer um, suggestion that we have for folks is um, whether it's clipping coupons, uh, saving them on Groupon or whatnot, um, always have a, an arsenal of, of, of ways to save money so that on those moments when you are tempted to, 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 to cheat on yourself, um, that you've got a way to sort of make sure that you don't cheat too egregiously. And I'll just throw in here, you know, a lot for a lot of people listening, you may think to yourself, this sounds like a scarcity mindset or a scarce way of living. But it's not, um, it's not done without purpose. For us, um, the cutting back or the monitoring our spending or controlling our lifestyle or reigning in lifestyle creep, all was done with the mindset of how do we grow our net worth? How do we make choice? How do we make the choices that allow us to? Live the bigger and better life. One of the one of the things we used to jokingly say um, early on. This is even after we paid off our debt. Um, John and I um, uh, like Puerto Vallarta. We like going down to Puerto Vallarta, and we always would say to each other, "Do you want the margarita now, or do you want it on the beach in Puerto Vallarta?" Because for <laughs> us living in Denver, going out to to a Mexican restaurant and dropping a hundred dollars on a couple drinks each and some food do that every single month and we've saved up enough or we've spent enough money to pay for one of us to go to in some cases both of us to go to Puerto Vallarta and so it was kind of this became this idea of what kind of choices do we want to make and our choices were we want that we want that that million dollar retirement account we want that uh Set, uh, savings set aside so we can go to go on vacation with being able to pay all cash. So it's a it's not necessarily a scarcity mindset that drives you drives you. Although some people can get stuck there, but use it with a purpose. Use it to grow your wealth. Use it to grow your net worth. Even if you're paying off your debt, you're growing your net worth. So focus on that. Yeah, have good goals. That. That's that's fantastic information. I like it. This ties into the not so expensive uh, that I was reading about as well, right? It's if I'm not mistaken, what we're talking about here is, you know, uh, it's not necessarily a scarcity mindset. It's just finding the, you know, your what goals you really want to achieve, and then how can you live, you know, not so expensive to to get there. Is that is that accurate? Am I reading that right? Yeah, you're you're definitely right. Actually, the where the where the NSC or the not so expensive came from was, uh, John and I went to there's a liquor store in Denver called Argonauts, and they had an amazing wine selection. And so one night we decided to spoil ourselves, um, and we bought a I think at that time it was like a twenty five or thirty dollar bottle of wine, and we opened it up and we were at home and we opened up and we drank it and we we're like. Well, this sucks. <laughs> this is actually a pretty crappy bottle of wine. We, just, we, we have bottles of wine that are $10, $15 that we like a hell of a lot better than this. Why, are we, why, why did we spend money on the expensive stuff? And so what we started to realize is that, that there were plenty of things that we enjoyed doing, and there were lower-cost ways of doing the exact same thing, right? So yeah. 
Um, a lot of times the reason why we go out and spend money, um, especially when we're doing it with our friends, is because we really want the social interaction. It's not because we want to we want to drop a hundred dollars on brunch a person, right? right? It's because we want that social interaction. So we would figure out, okay, what? How do we how do we get the social interaction, but at seventy five or fifty percent of the cost? Because then that other twenty five or fifty percent is money that we could put towards paying off our debt, or put towards saving for a vacation, or put towards investing so that we could reach that million dollar amount in our retirement accounts. Yeah, this is, again, more great information. I hope everybody's enjoying it, soaking it up, and getting a lot of wisdom here from David and John. If you have any questions, by the way, um, feel free to comment in the bottom right there or send a DM. Uh, I'll take your messages, and, and uh, we can ask John and David questions that you might have. Uh, I've got plenty more, though, so we can keep it keep it rolling here. Um, and you know, one thing that I think is, is hard to visualize, especially when you're starting out, is... Uh, I wanted to ask you guys about this because you've, you've experienced it, is when you go through this whole process, um, how do you envision the, you know, the first, I don't know how you'd want to break it down, but you know, the next one, two, three, five years, or is it, you know, do you look at it in six months or is there any kind of specific way to look at, you know, how you would like, go through this process in the coming years to, to do this transformation? Sure. I think one of the important things to remember, especially if you have a larger amount of debt, is that um, paying off debt can get so heavy. It can feel so emotional and and just feel like it's going to drag you down. Yeah. Until you, it, it, unless you set your realistic expectations. So if if you've let's say you've got. Uh, you've got $10,000 in debt and in your credit card debt and you make the commitment to spend or to send $500 every month to paying off your debt. So one of the things I recommend people to do or we recommend people to do is one of the first things is to take that commitment number and divide that into the amount of debt you actually have. So you get a minimum number of months that it will take you to pay that debt off because that gives you that realistic expectation right a lot of people are like gung-ho about paying their debt off and four or five months in they're like i'm done i'm gonna go back to the way living the way i used to because they didn't they, they thought they would be able to achieve it faster um but it gives you that expect what those expectations are especially if you're if you're looking at something that's more than a year or two years, then you can build in things like uh, your milestone rewards. Like, what am I going to do when 10% is paid off? Or what am I going to do for myself when 25% is for 50% or 75% or 100%? What, what are the, how am I going to celebrate so that I can have fun while I'm paying this, this debt off? And then kind of flip that with your next financial goal. What is your next financial goal, right? You got your debt paid off. If your next financial goal is to have $1,000 in emergency savings, you're gonna do it in two months or three months, right? So set your goal and figure out how you can celebrate. And the the thing that that does is it gives us, a, helps us to realistically set those one, three, five, 10 year kind of timeframes 
that make them more achievable. There's the whole idea of SMART goals, right? One of the things with SMART goals is that they are achievable and they're realistic. And that's one of what, what we can do then. And then at any time you get any extra money, it goes towards, we like to do, you typically do like a 90-10 split. Like when we, when we would get bonuses or when we would get uh, um, tax uh, refund money or something like that back, it was a 90-10 split, 10% having fun and 90% going towards our goal. And that just then lets you expedite your goals faster. Yeah, I think the, the key word there is achievable, right? Um, when you set, it's great to set goal. I, I'm a believer in setting goals that are, um, you know, they're stretch goals, right? Maybe I won't necessarily achieve them 100%, but really the intent is to get as close, if not to achieving them as possible so that I'm really pushing myself and I'm not, um, you know, just kind of taking a mediocre approach to whatever it is I'm doing. And so, um, but if you set them too far out of bounds, then it's too easy, I think, you know, personally to, to say, okay, well, that obviously was unrealistic and just kind of give up versus adjust or what have you. So I think starting off with those achievable goals is, is really a, is really key. And, you know, I'm going to circle back because I, I actually meant to ask about this uh, earlier when we were talking about the, the different methods, but this, I think, ties in nicely. Uh, you mentioned the debt lasso method. I want to talk about this. So it's different than it's, it's it has some similarities, but different than some other methods out there. And um, it sounds really effective. So would you mind walking through uh, what the debt lasso method is? Yeah, there definitely are some similarities. The big difference is that it's better. Yeah, I like it. Let's talk about that. <laughs> it's faster. <laughs> oh, faster. Um, That's great. Okay. So when uh, when David did that spending analysis after we realized how much debt we had, um, what that highlighted to us was how much we were paying in credit card interest. And at that time, $51,000 was costing us $10,000 a year. So we were paying $10,000 a year just for the privilege of carrying that debt, not necessarily acquiring any more. And so when we looked at the snowball and the avalanche methods, we were sort of um, disheartened because by our rough calculations, uh, at best, it would have taken us five years to pay off. Um, at worst, or, or more, li- more likely, anywhere from seven to eight years. And we had, we just didn't have that kind of patience. We knew that there was no way that we could stick to this for <laughs> All right, you got my attention. Years, right? Yeah, you got my, I have no patience, so this is great. <laughs> <laughs> So then we asked, you know, the, 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 the outcome of uh, your life is based on the questions that you ask, right? So we asked um, ourselves, how do we make that, how do we make that interest rate go away? Because that seemed to be the variable that was uh, holding us back. Um, and so we, you know, looked around at the options available to us. And at that point, this was 2006 or seven, there were a plethora of zero interest rate credit card balance transfer offers. I think at that time there were like 18. Um, so they're, they're, they're numerous, um, and uh, they ha- there have been those offers uh, available since, so they, they have fluctuated in the number and the variety, uh, especially during the pandemic, but I think we're kind of back to, to normal now. Yeah, I'm getting them again, um, yeah, for, for sure. Yeah, um, and so we thought, well, okay, so even with the, 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 tra- the, tr- the, the transfer fee, the 1% to 5% typically, uh, 3 being the average, um, would it still make sense for us to utilize these cards if we became super focused on paying them off as quickly as we could? And so we crunched numbers and it did make sense. But then the question is, is this just 
uh, it's just debt consolidation and balance transfers. Um, and we realized that, to your point earlier, you know of friends who have taken out HELOCs to pay off debt, then they, then they have more credit card debt again. Right. Well, we know of people who've done the same thing, or they've gotten personal loans, um, and then a couple months later, they've maxed out now two credit cards. So it's, it's not just debt consolidation. It's actually a five-step process. The first being, as I said earlier, a step being commitment. But that commitment comes in two parts. One, it's to not acquire any more debt. And two, it's to make a specific dollar amount contribution to your debt every single month, come hell or high water. Ideally, over what the, min, the sum total minimum, uh, minimum payment is per month. Step two is to trim. So based on that specific dollar amount that you've committed to sending to your credit cards every month, if you can pay off one, two, three credit cards in a couple of months, go ahead and do so. And in there is sort of the, the, the snowball method. Get those quick wins um, and feel like you're making some progress from the get-go. Step three is the lasso. And that is to rein in your credit card debt to as few locations as possible with the lowest interest rate as possible, ideally zero. Though not everybody has that with uh, capability because of either a credit score or because of what um, uh, offers there are available. So ideally get that uh, to as low as possible, ideally uh, at worst below 7%. Step four is to automate. We love bill pay and having the robots work in our favor, so make sure all your bills are getting paid for in full on on time every single month. Not only will that help you chip away at your debt, but that will also help you improve your credit score, availing you to more offers, more better offers uh, in the future if you need to rely on them. And then step five is to monitor. Make sure all your bills are getting paid in full and on time every single month. And then when you paid off a credit card, uh, make sure because you in step one you've committed to a specific dollar amount um, you you send the residual to the next credit card that you want to pay off I like it <clears throat> it's five simple steps commitment trim lasso automate and monitor got it and um, you know I'll tell you <laughs> the funny one for me that should be e probably the easiest one on this list is is automate and I, I'm stubborn I don't like to automate I like to I don't know what it is, if it's a control issue or something, but uh, <laughs> but uh, that's the one I need to just start doing. You know, and and uh, the the one thing you, you mentioned is the interest rates, and that's something that's you know obviously um, a very hot issue as of late. The interest rates rising, continuing to be pushed higher, and how does that play into, or or does it play into the you know the strategy of eliminating credit card debt? And what are your and then a two part question here. What are your thoughts on using services um, where you, to take out a personal, like an unsecured loan, where they have a high interest rate, but maybe it's lower than what you had on your credit cards, or at least your consult, or maybe it's the same and you're consolidating the same area? Um, what are your thoughts on those? Yeah, so uh, the, definitely, the, the the goal is to make it cheaper to for you to service your debt while you're paying it off, right? So. Right. Um, it, the, the, the thing with the credit cards is you have the temptation, and I think that this is why a lot of people don't like balance transfers or don't encourage them, is you have, or even the personal loans, they don't, uh, they don't, um, they don't like the temptation of having a credit card that I used to use on a regular basis sitting there with a zero balance, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. What am I going to go do with it? We've kind of talked about this before. 
you know, the, the HELOC and then charge those cards right back up. If you make that commitment to yourself, part, the second part of commitment is making the commitment to not adding any more balance to your credit cards, then do the balance transfer or do the personal loan. Uh, we know when we work, we worked with several clients um, who we encouraged them to get us a, a secure, uh, unsecured personal loan because that was the way that they could take, they, they didn't have the credit score that would allow them to get a zero balance transfer offer, but they were taking their credit card, uh, their, their interest rates from, in some cases, as high as uh, 32%, all the way down to 11 or 12%. And for some people, having that commitment of I have to make a loan payment for this particular amount as a bill every single month makes doing the makes doing the debt lasso portion um, the the commitment to a single sorry to commitment to a specific amount every month month makes it a little easier for them because they have basically turned it into a bill that they have to pay every single month or they're going to have some repercussions whereas with a credit card more often than not you get a slap on the wrist because they're happy to collect more money from you in the form of fees and, right. and higher interest rates yeah right so i know i answered the second part of your question but i forgot what the first part was um it was around the interest rates you know so interest rates are going up and does that create unique challenges that we haven't faced in like the last 10 years, for example, and we've had really low interest rates and quote unquote free money. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, depending on what side of the equation you're on, you're excited or disappointed that rates are going up, right? If yeah, absolutely. Uh, investing in a savings account or how you'll, uh, in, uh, checking account, um, and even some fixed income products, you're, you're a little bit excited right now. Um, but if you're, if, you have revolving credit, um, you're possibly seeing your high interest rate debt getting higher. And if your interest rates going up won't necessarily affect uh, the offers that you have available to you, that'd be more contingent on your credit score and the variables that affect your credit score, um, but it will make you the debt that you carry more expensive. And so that'll make it harder for you to pay off your debt, which therein lies the, the value in trying to do what you can um, to do step three of the, of the debt lasso method, and that is to rein in your debt to as few locations as possible with the lowest interest rates possible. I'll add that one of the things that we have seen is credit cards that have those zero interest balance transfer offers. Um, we've seen a number of them switch from the transfer fee costing 3%, to now being 5%. Um, oh, yeah. I've noticed that on several of them. So I think that that's, that right there is an impact of uh, of inflation and the interest rates going up, right? These, these banks no longer can get free money from the Fed. So they have to figure out how to make a little bit more off of these transactions where potentially people have money sitting for 12 to 18 months, or in some cases, 21, 24 months, have it sitting there with no, they're not earning any interest. So they're like, okay, well, let's at least get 5% instead of 3%. And so I think that uptick is a direct result of 
of in, of the inflation and the the uh, Fed now charging more from banks. I'm also concerned that people sort of started to think that historically low interest rates were the new normal. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and um, that they might sit on the sidelines waiting to take action for things to go back to what they were before um, this recent inflation hike. Um, when I don't, there's a very real possibility that this is actually the best of the new normal. Um, because very rarely do the cost of products and goods and services go up that corporations are like, oh, okay, we'll, we'll lower those prices again. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. So, right. Um, and the, the, the historically low interest rates and then the Fed funds rate, um, you know, there were reasons why they were cut so egregiously. Uh, for some people, this might be an eye-opener, but going back to um, the dot-com bust and the Iraq war. Um, and they just never really were uh, ratcheted back up to what was what was the, the normal at that time. So my concern is that we're not going to go back to those historically low interest rates again. So I don't want people to sit on the sidelines thinking that we're going to go back to another time where this actually might be it. I, I completely agree. I think that's a real risk. And, um, and if you listen to what's being said, you know, there's no reason to believe, at least right now, based on all the information that's out there, that we're going to have a reverse and and go right back to those lower rates. It's a precarious spot. That's a whole topic I could spend hours talking about. <laughs> we need Janet Yellow on the phone to join us. There you go. <laughs> I like it. Um, so this has, again, been a fantastic conversation. Um, one thing that you sort of started to touch on, I think, and I was curious about is the variety of debts. So um, one thing that I've I've noticed in my, you know, my experience, I guess, is when you have a broader variety of debt, it can help your credit uh, score, right? So if you have a car loan and a mortgage payment, and then you have credit card debt that's maybe manageable, right? Like a, a low percentage of your overall available balance and, and your overall uh, income, that your credit score will see a boost from that. And then I've, for example, paid off a car payment and uh, you know that my credit score just tanked because I had one less um, type of debt instrument I was using. And so what I ended up doing was, well, I had just, you know some credit card payments, so I took an, a car loan out to pay that off, which is a wise move anyways because of the uh, interest rate. And then um, my credit score just immediately reversed and went right back to where it was. So ha- do you have any experiences along those lines and any uh, words of wisdom there? Yeah, I think it, uh, it's you're going to find that People who have perfect credit scores are not people who have zero debt. Um, people who have perfect credit scores are people who know how to use debt wisely and have that debt. Um, and the the reality is, is if debt is a inhibitor to you having um, a better life, um, and for some people it is, getting whether it's credit card debt or um, buying too much of a home or borrowing too much money to buy that truck or car um, then that is it then steer clear of it steer clear from that debt Um, pay those cars off pay the the credit card debt off pay that personal loan off pay that home equity line of credit off um, and then focus on on what really is important to you, having a great credit score is kind of a 
you know, it's kind of like getting a good, really good grade in school. Like, how many how many times do we find out that the valedictorian, the salutatorian in high school went on to have kind of eh, mediocre right. college careers or sure. uh, or, uh, or or careers in general? But it's the you know the, some of the people who got those B's and C's that went on to have great careers and make a, a lot of money and start businesses. Right, so it's it's just a scoring system. It's not going to um, give you a better life. Um, it's what the choices that you make that are going to give you that better life. But um, so you deal with you just deal with the fact that you're probably going to see a hit, and so don't necessarily go out and get debt to get a better credit score unless you need the debt for a specific reason. Yeah, we said this on a podcast episode recently. I, I think we think that people are a little bit too attached to their credit score. Unless you're actually buying a home, a car, or something significant, um, people stress a little bit too much about it. That doesn't mean you want to have a clean credit report. You want to make sure that everything's accurate, and there isn't value in getting your your your, your credit score over to over seven twenty. But once you hit seven twenty, what's the point of get trying to hustle to make it even better? I mean. An excellent is an excellent. So, you know, yeah. shoot for the 720. Don't worry about the 800, 850. Unless, you know, you have other things you're trying to make up for in life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got my 810 credit score on my refrigerator. <laughs> I don't have an 810 credit score. <laughs> um, that's good stuff. Um, and you mentioned your, your uh, podcast, so uh, I wanted to mention that as well. Check it out. I've, I hadn't checked it out until just this week, and um, it's fantastic, you guys. It's called Queer Money. I, I found it on, I think you can find it on basically any of the um, places you can find podcasts, right? So I was watching it, listen to it on Spotify, but great stuff. Do you have any, um, what's coming up on the podcast, if you don't mind me asking? What do you have, what do you have slated next? Yeah, so uh, our podcast is called Queer Money and focuses on the financial nuances of being LGBTQ. A lot of the fundamentals apply to everybody, but everything we cover is, as we say, uh, with a rainbow twist. Nice. Uh, we just started a new series where we're, um, which uh, may be more interesting than it is helpful to your audience, but we're recovering um, the most affordable and most LGBTQ friendly city to live in in each state. Um, some states oh, being easier to um, live in and afford than others. Um, yeah, that's... Cover, oh, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, we cover our themes on the show are investing, financial independence, financial wellness, and LGBTQ money. Um, and we have a couple of great shows coming up. Uh, where are we here? Uh, oh, good. Yeah, so... Uh, so on Tuesday, we kind of have a little bit more of a more slightly more politically minded. Uh, we typically don't go political on the podcast, but this one is. Oh, I asked. Um, it, I asked with good timing then. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's um, it's talking about how donor advised funds are used in harmful ways um, among certain groups of uh, of investors and um, how they are kind uh, of kind of digging into the to the politics of the country that we live in. Um, but we also have a, an episode coming up uh, the week after that. Um, we inter- we're interviewing Kate Dore, who's a uh, writer for CNBC, and talking about um, primarily I-bonds, but we also kind of dig into a little bit, touch a little Series bit. Series E-bonds and other kinds yeah. of uh, fixed income. Yeah. 
Oh, that's and, timely. Then, that's very timely. Uh, the, then the following week, we have uh, Miranda Marquette, who's going to talk about how uh, she makes six figures a month. I'm sorry, six, six figures a year uh, as a freelance writer and how she got into freelance writing and um, how uh, other people can do that today, too, because she's an OG when it comes to freelance writing. She's been doing nice. it for, for a long time. But she's, uh, she always has kind of her ear to the ground as to what's going on and how people can learn from uh, from what she's doing and get into freelance writing either as a side hustle or as a permanent gig. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. And uh, definitely I'll be checking out more of your podcasts coming up. That's a lot of great, useful information. So I didn't mean to interrupt you there, John. I was just going to say it sounds like you bring a lot of value uh, to the podcast. So that's that's what I'm all about. I really appreciate you guys coming on today because of all the value you're bringing. Um, and for those that might have joined a little bit late, I am posting the recording to my Substack. You see the link in my in my bio if you're interested in catching up on any parts that you might have missed. Um, so I'll post that here later today. And it's just been a great conversation. I mean, we've gone over, uh, in particular, you know, really jumped off the page is the debt lasso method. You know, as far as knocking out your debt and the steps to get through it, starting with the commitment and then just ending up with just continuing to monitor. And, you know, a lot of the stuff we talked about today is around mindset. Right. Um, and I think that's really powerful. Um, you mentioned the seven thinking errors and um, just the different things that uh, we have to do to stay on track. And um, I, I think everything here is, has been super valuable and, and value added so thanks again for all this great information um i have a question about i think we can you know maybe end on this one but what other um i guess books or uh, youtube channels or other sources of information uh do you guys like that you use um that you would recommend or any interesting books you're reading now and any that you might say stay away from i know i have mine First one, I'll start off with specifically with mindset. I don't know that there's a better book out there right now than Joe, Dr. Joe Dispenza's book, um, "Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself." And um, breaking the habit of being yourself. Got his it. his strategy for, I mean, because you are where you are today because of the decisions you made yesterday, right? But you, how you change the decisions um, that you made, you kind of have to change who you are, and he helps you break down the habit of, of who you were and becoming the person that you want to or were meant to be. Um, it doesn't necessarily cover fin- finance, but it's 100% about mindset. I like it. Sure. Um, we'll do a little plug for our own book. Um, we have a book called Four, The Four Principles of a Debt-Free Life, which is kind of the basic foundation of, of how we got out of debt and uh, um, and kind of building the mindset that will help you create a financial plan and become that millionaire that you want to be. Um, but we also just this week interviewed Jason Vidic. Um, he wrote a book. We interviewed him on our podcast. Um, and he wrote a book uh, called Happy Money, Happy Life. And one of the uh, cool things that Jason does in his book is he talks about the eight dimensions of happiness and how uh, money is one of them. And it's a it's a really good book because Jason kind of takes um, he takes money from the mindfulness uh, view, viewpoint. Um, there's a lot of uh, I, I guess for for 
lack of be- uh, lack of a better way to say it, there's a lot of masculine energy around um, uh, uh, money and uh, us needing to prove ourselves and prove our worth and get out there and try to beat everybody else and uh, and uh, really what Jason kind of breaks it down to is how is it affecting the other areas of your life, your relationship with money, and how do you make your relationship with money match the other areas of your life that make you happy and work them together? Then I think the last one that we'll recommend is uh, Tori Dunlap just published uh, The Financial Feminist, Tori Dunlap of uh, her first 100K. She's probably the anti-Dave Ramsey if you're looking for um, somebody who... <laughs> Good. I want to hear more about this. What do you mean um, by anti-Dave Ramsey? Tell me more. Um, <laughs> she has, she does not have the same strategies around uh, and beliefs around debt and um, uh, doesn't and is very anti-shaming uh, if you do have debt and if you do not spend your money according to Dave Ramsey's values. Um, she t- has a completely different take on, on money and how money is often um, different for women as well as it is for different for uh, other marginalized communities um, and she it's a great book if you actually get a chance to listen to her book um, it's, I think that's even better because uh, she weaves in her she's she speaks it in her tone which is really really uh, brings out her personality we're uh, interviewing her um, for our podcast and she'll be on our show I forget what week in May yeah nice May nice. 11th what was the name of the book again financial feminist nice thanks for that that sounds great all great stuff and um yeah again i really appreciate you both joining us today sharing all of your insights and your knowledge is there anything um that you would like to end for our our listeners just as maybe a a last pointed note to help them on their journey to you know eliminating debt and getting onto uh, paths of financial freedom um i'll say this i you know i think you know we 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 talked on the show or, or at least given the uh, you know that we had that we paid off our debt and, and shared that we paid off uh, we had that we have you know a million dollars and all i think it can seem be somewhat disheartening to people if they they're in debt or they haven't you know acquired a, a solid nest egg to think oh i'm never going to be able to get there those guys are so far ahead of me um and so i think our advice is don't don't compare our chapter 25 to your chapter three um you know we were yeah. we all had to start from somewhere um it wasn't always easy. We had our disappointments, and so hopefully, use our story more as an inspiration and and less as um, a litmus test for your success. This is David. I'll add that um, that a lot of what we covered uh, today um, was kind of what we call the finance side of personal finance, and the personal side of personal finance um, is the side that really kind of affects you as an individual. We believe that 80% of finances, of money is transactional. It's the same thing that we all do, right? We swipe a credit card, we pay a bill, we have a dollar, right? It's the same thing for every single one of us. But the personal side is the one that really kind of makes you use money and think about money in the way that you do. And so, Learning and understanding that personal side of personal finance is really important, and that's one of the things that will propel you in your journey to 
whatever it is, wherever it is you want to get to with your with your money. And that's you know, we talked just briefly about the why. Well, no, the space ended suddenly. Hey guys, apologize. I don't know what happened there. I got booted. Uh, no, no, that's fine. We we just uh, we all had a laugh at your expense, Nate. Th that's. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think that's a perfect perfect way to conclude. <laughs> <laughs> we were just getting ready to wrap wrap things up, but we just uh, again asked if if anyone had any questions. Oh, fantastic. Um, well. That's too. I'm sorry, I cut out there. Uh, you guys can still hear me though. It looks like I saw the note from one of our listeners, uh, so that's funny. Hopefully, I didn't say anything too uh, ridiculous. Yeah, we couldn't hear you, but it looks like, looks like some people could. Oh, okay. How funny. I think I didn't. I was I was fine. I didn't yell too much at my technology here. <laughs> <laughs> but but hey, um, I I did catch I think ninety percent of what you were saying there on your final notes, and and I will say those are powerful. Uh, messages from both of you so David and John thank you both um, apologies to everybody for the technical issues there at the end I'll get that edited and cleaned up uh, on the uh, when I set, uh, drop this on the Substack. but I'm um, looking forward to, to more conversations in the future and uh, hopefully we can connect again sounds good thank you and thanks everybody for joining we appreciate it yeah thanks everybody have a great rest of your day great weekend and uh, David and John I'll talk to you soon thanks again I guess.